In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. John the Baptist is confronted with an unwanted and puzzling reality. John, the forerunner of Christ, who prepared the way of the Lord, who cried out in the wilderness, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. He's troubled. He knows the Messianic prophecy in Isaiah chapter 35. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. He knows the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. All of these messianic expectations, they were in the heart of John. John himself prepared the Lord's way. The Lord would open the eyes of the blind, unstop the ears of the deaf, cause the lame to leap, and the mute to sing. He would bring good news to the poor. But it's the last part that has left John quite puzzled. The Lord was to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who were bound. You see, John, the forerunner of the Messiah, well, he's in prison. He's bound. He's trapped. He's captive. And Jesus had not opened his prison cell. Jesus had not proclaimed him free. And so John's very troubled by this reality. Is Jesus the Messiah or is he not? He wonders. John isn't so sure as he sits in his prison cell confronting the reality that Jesus has not yet set him free. But it's not only the prison cell that John is trapped in, oh no. Something far greater has trapped John, and it threatens his very soul. A trap that Satan has laid for John. It has been set with a crooked stick, And once it is sprung, John's very soul would be killed. This trap, make no mistake about it, is a fatal one. John's puzzling predicament and trouble of soul serves you well. John, just like you, has certain expectations of who Jesus is and what Jesus will do. Like you, John has a Jesus he wants, a Jesus he expects, and then he's confronted with the Jesus that comes. And the reality of Christ does not line up with the expectations of John. Christmas is a season of expectations. You may have thought about what Christmas will be like this year. For some, 
They expect a tree filled with presents wrapped in bright red and green Christmas paper with their names written on all of them, and, and these expectations bring giddy excitement, unbridled anticipation. They'll burst out of their rooms at 4 a.m. unable to contain themselves. Mom! Dad! Get up! Can we open up our presents now? For others, they expect to see their grandchildren and children all around the family table, blissfully eating and drinking and conversing with one another, enjoying that sacred thing we call family. Even in the midst of such turbulent times, everyone finally back all together again and getting along. There's the Christmas we want, the Christmas we expect, and then there's the Christmas that comes. Expectations not lived up to. People still bickering over the same things they've been bickering about for years. The family not getting along. Tensions remain. Tears and anger fill already rushed traveling plans in a hurried pace where no one really stops to appreciate the presence of family like they ought. And all while an empty chair now sits in the corner. It's enough to make you cry out in anguish. Why is this happening? Why, O oh Lord, is it this way? Expectations have a way of trapping us. They lay a deadly snare for the soul. They have a way of setting the bait that is all too easy for us to snatch and to be struck. See, John reaches for the bait. The Jesus he wants isn't lining up with the Jesus he sees. The messianic expectation was that Jesus would set the prisoners free, and yet John, he sits in prison. So John calls two of his disciples to him and sends them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? The trap is set, and John's falling right into it, and he, like you, doesn't even know it. Neither does the mouse, neither does John, neither do you. The game in which you are ensnared is a deadly one. John's disciples, they go and they ask Jesus, John the Baptist sent us to you saying, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus, in his unassuming way, doesn't even answer. Rather, that very hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. He fulfills the prophecies of Isaiah chapter 35 and chapter 61 right in front of John's disciples' eyes. Well, except for one of the prophecies. John's still in prison. He doesn't set the captive free. Yet John's disciples witness these miracles of Jesus. And now they no longer only hear about him. Now they see with their own eyes the power of Christ. And then, after this, Jesus 
finally answers their question. After performing so many miracles and and after an hour of silence to their question, Jesus answers it. He knows that John is pointing to Isaiah chapter 35 and Isaiah chapter 61. He knows the trap that John is running right towards. And so Jesus goes down the list of the prophecies with his two disciples. He says, you go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. Yes, the lame walk. Yes, lepers are cleansed. Yes, and the deaf hear. Yes, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And then Jesus stops. He pivots. He doesn't finish the Old Testament prophecy. He's supposed to say next, and those who are in prison are set free. But he doesn't. He stops right in the middle of this prophetic word, and he looks at John's disciples, and he says, You go and tell John, Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Offended by Jesus. Scandalizo in Greek, we get our word scandalized from this word. The picture of scandalizo in Greek is, is that of a trap with a crooked stick to which a bait is fixed, in which when it is touched, it springs the trap and catches the victim and kills it, like a mouse trap. To be scandalized, to be offended by Jesus is a fatal trap. The victim will be killed. Because to be offended by Jesus here means to be offended to the point of faith being destroyed and the spiritual life killed. Verderben in German. Ruined. Spoiled. The danger that Jesus is pointing John to is mortal. Blessed is the one who escapes this trap, John. Tell John, blessed is the one who is not trapped by me. It's as if Jesus were saying to John, John, I know what you expect. You expect to set, for me to set you free, to release you from your cell, to proclaim you free and to give you everything you desire, an easy, soft life living in the luxury of the king. But this is not why I have come. And if you do not believe in me now, when you still have your head, how will you believe when they come to take off your head? Will you not cling to me by faith, even now, even in the midst of what you do not understand or cannot see? Will you not see and hear that I am he, the Lord of heaven and earth, even though you remain in prison? even though you sit all alone, even though you feel abandoned by me. John, do not let the absence of certain works blind you from the glorious presence of the works that are now in full progress. You are to be satisfied with what I do now and trust that in due time the others will follow just as sure as these are now being done. 
Don't fall into this trap, John. You see, it's not the prison cell that John is trapped in. Something far greater threatens his soul. The trap that Satan has laid for John is to trust in his own expectations of Jesus rather than in Jesus himself. Isaiah declared this in chapter 8 when he said, The Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense, a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many will stumble on it. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and taken. Oh, how often your expectations break and ensnare you. The coming days and weeks and the holidays, they lay a deadly trap for you. Oh, maybe you're not in prison physically, but expectations sure have a way of imprisoning you to discontentment and anguish and bewilderment, crying out in misery, Why, O oh Lord, must it be this way? Why is this happening? Are you not the one who has promised goodness and mercy to follow me all the days of my life? Are you not the one who bestows favor and gladness? Are you the one who is to come? Or shall I look for another? Expectations, they will leave you filled with uncertainty, questions, doubts, struggles, and at its very core, unbelief. But when these uncertain expectations are brought to Jesus, there they are met with certainty. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the King of Kings. And he is the one who gives sight to the blind. He raises the dead. He sets the captives free. Even though you may be blind now, even though you may lay in the ground now, even though you may sit in prison now, even though you still haven't seen it yet with your eyes, even though an empty chair confronts you now, Jesus is king. Jesus will come. Jesus will raise the dead. Jesus will set the captives free. Jesus will fulfill all prophecies, just as he said he would. And blessed are you who are not offended by him. Isaiah already foretold it all in chapter 8. When they look upon the earth, behold, only distress and darkness, and the gloom of anguish shall overwhelm them, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But in the latter time I will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, 
and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Did Mary, when she heard the angel's voice, say unto her, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, ever expect to be kneeling at his cross and watching him die in anguish? Did the Lord's own disciples, when they heard God's very voice, say unto them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, did they ever expect one day they would be hiding in an upper room all alone for fear of their lives while their Lord lay in the ground. Did Mary and Martha, when they served and dined with the Lord, ever expect their brother to die and to leave them all alone? Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Again and again, Human expectations fall so far short of the glory of God, yet nevertheless, do not despair, dear child. The Lord reigns over all creation. He is God, and you are not. And he is bringing all things about in his own time and perfect way. No one understands it, the apostle writes. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Therefore, Go and tell those who do not believe and who are trapped by their own missed expectations of Jesus what your eyes have seen and what your ears have heard. Tell them the poor have good news preached to them and blessed are you who is not trapped by Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.